Welcome, thanks for joining us. You're about to hear a message from our Wednesday night Solid Rock Youth Group service. Solid Rock is a ministry of Living Word Family Church, and if you'd like to know more, check us out on our website at www.livingwordfamily.org. You guys got your Bibles? Your notebooks? You ready to learn? I didn't want to... What are you doing? Just stop blowing me kisses. It's weird. All right. Tonight's message is called No Excuses. No Excuses. I didn't want to start a new series because we only got a couple weeks and then we've got Welcome Night and I didn't want to be halfway through a series when uh, some of the new people came in. So tonight's message is called No Excuses and we're going to be looking in Exodus, starting in Exodus chapter 3. Let me give you a little background here. Everybody knows who Moses is, correct? You guys all know who Moses is, right? Hunter, you know who Moses is, right? Johnny, you know who Moses is, right? Yeah, yeah, you guys. You guys all know who Moses is, okay? So we have the Israelites who have been in Egypt for quite some time, and it started out going very well, right? Because Joseph and his brothers, everybody was blessed in Egypt. You go back and read Exodus, if you want, or excuse me, um, the end of Genesis, if you want to get that story. So here we come in Exodus, the beginning of Exodus, first couple chapters describe how things have changed for the Israelites in Egypt, okay? Things have gotten very, very harsh. Pharaoh, uh, there's been a new Pharaoh, and he didn't, didn't know what Joseph and his family did for Egypt, how Joseph helped Egypt out. And so as Joseph's descendants multiplied and multiplied, Pharaoh and his leaders got a little scared. They said, hey, these guys are, this, their population is growing and they one day might be able just to overtake us just because of their num sheer numbers. But what Pharaoh did was end up punishing them and enslaving them and putting them into forced labor, okay? So the Israelites fell in very hard times, and this happened for, a, this, this went on for years and years and years. Now, the next thing Pharaoh did to try to keep their numbers from multiplying was command that every male child born to an Israelite woman be thrown in the river, be drowned, be killed. Pretty harsh, don't you think? It's pretty crazy, right? But this is what he had. This is what he wanted done to keep their numbers down, to keep their population from growing. Okay. One of the Israelite women gave birth to a boy. She kept him hidden as long as possible while she was nursing, while she was taking care of him, and eventually he was getting louder, and he, they couldn't keep him hidden anymore. So they ended up putting him in a, uh, a thatched basket and sending him down for the river. Now, why would they do that? His mother would do that to try to keep him safe. Maybe somebody further down river would hear this baby, would take care of it. She was just, even though it would be gone, she was just literally praying that God would keep this baby and hope this baby would be taken care of by somebody. Lo and behold, what happens? His sister, his older sister, follows this basket down the river. I mean, she's running along the riverbank just watching and seeing what would happen. This basket comes along Pharaoh's daughter, so basically a princess, okay? She finds the baby in this basket, and Miriam, Moses' sister, comes out of the, the, um, off the riverbank and says, you know, would you like me to get one of the Israelite women to take care of this child for you? And she says, yes, and who do you think she gets? Moses' mother. So this, through this, I mean, God had his hand upon Moses right from the beginning. 
So Moses is taken care of by his mother until he's a little bit older, and then the princess, Pharaoh's daughter, ends up adopting him. So he is raised from the time that he's a child, fairly young child, uh, he's raised in the Pharaoh's household, right? So he's basically royalty. He's essentially royalty. He's the grandchild of the Pharaoh, okay? So this is who Moses is. This is where we started. He's a Hebrew child, but he was raised in royalty. He was raised in the house of Pharaoh. So we see Moses. Fast forward 40 years, okay? He's watching the oppression of his people. He knows these are his people, okay? He knows he's not a, a, a born Egyptian. He knows these are his people, and he sees them being whipped and beaten and pushed around and oppressed by the Egyptian, these Egyptian soldiers, these slave drivers, okay? So he, he uh, takes action. He ends up killing one of them to defend his Hebrew brother, right? Well, one of the Hebrews ends up calling him out on it and saying, hey, you killed one of these uh, Egyptian soldiers. Moses got scared, and he ran off. He ran off to Midian, okay? Who knows what he did in Midian? I'm just giving you a quick background here. Who knows what Moses did? What was his occupation in Midian, Johnny? Yeah, he became a shepherd in Midian. He did that. Do you know how long he did it? Oh, double that. 40 years. Moses was in the wilderness for 40 years taking care of uh, his, his father-in-law's. He ends up getting married, having children. He's taking care of his father-in-law's sheep, right? So now he's roughly 80 years old, give or take. And that's where we come up to Moses here, okay? So you guys kind of see a little bit of his background, understand a little bit about who he is, okay? We're not going to go into a deep character study. You know what's going on with his people, with the Israelite people, all right? Now, all of this time, the children of God, the Israelites are crying out to God. They're saying, God, deliver us from this bondage. Deliver us from, this, from these people. Will you help us? Will you send a deliverer? And in Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 9, Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how, this is God here, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. So God recognizes this. He sees it. He knows that they're crying out for help, and it has come time to act. It has come time for him to do something, for God to do something. So what happens? Moses is out tending the flock. He comes up uh, to, to Mount Sinai. He sees this bush that is literally on fire, literally in flames, but it's not burning up, it's not disappearing, it's literally, it's just sitting there burning, okay? And Moses is like, what is going on here? I have to see what this is all about. He goes up, he goes up the mountain, he sees this burning bush, God begins to speak to him. This all sounds crazy, right? But it's not, this literally happened. God begins to speak to him, and he tells him that he has seen the plight of, of his people, of God's people, of Moses' people, of the Hebrews, okay? He knows that they're under this harsh punishment. He knows that they're in slavery. He knows what's going on. And he decides to send Moses to be his deliverer. He chooses Moses to go and rescue the people, okay? In verse 10, we see, now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. That is a huge responsibility. Because at this point, there's somewhere in the neighborhood of, what is it, Kip, about a million, two million uh, Israelites in Egypt. What's that? Yeah, there's quite a few. I mean, we're talking well over a million people here, okay? Have you guys ever been in a population center with over a million people? I don't know what the population of Chicago or something is. I mean, this, we're talking a massive amount of people, a massive number of people, okay? This is a large population. 
all right? Can you imagine God asking you to go and be the savior, the rescuer of that large amount of people? Not only that, but you've been separated out of that situation for almost 40 years. You've withdrawn. You ran away. So things have not only gotten worse, but you've lost some of the connection that you had with these people to some extent. Does that make sense? So God's asking you to go back into this, this area, go back into Egypt, and confront Pharaoh, confront Pharaoh, your grandfather, or it would be, I don't know how the family line worked out by that 40 years, but his family, okay, confront Pharaoh and tell them God wants you to let these people go. This is a huge, huge task. This is daunting, okay? God has given us some daunting tasks. God says we are to share our faith. Have you ever felt like you needed to share your faith with somebody or sat with somebody and was having a conversation? You're like, okay, I know I need to direct this conversation to spiritual things because I know that they need Jesus in their lives. How intimidating is that? And that's one person. So you're going to Pharaoh, you're going to a king, and you're saying, release all of these people. I mean, this is daunting, okay? What's one of the, what, is, what are some of the first things that Moses does? The first things he does is make excuses. Moses begins to make excuses as to why he's not the right guy for this job. So in Exodus 3.11, so God is just giving them this huge task. God says, now go, for I am sending you. But... Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? Moses obviously had a very, very low uh, opinion of himself, very low self-image. He did not see himself very highly. He's been through a lot in his life. Obviously, he's carried the, yeah, I would imagine he's carried the guilt around with him for killing that uh, Egyptian soldier for 40-some years. I mean, he is just, he's kind of at a little bit of a low, all right? He's, who am I? Who am I to do this, God? Who am I to carry out this huge task that you have given me? Who am I? What does God say? God says, I will be with you. This is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. God says, I'll tell you who you are. You are a man that has God, the creator of all things, with you. I am with you. That's who you are. I am with you. You are my guy. That's who you are. And then Moses said in verse 13, but Moses protested again. So God says, I'll tell you who you are. You are my guy, and I am sending you. I am giving you the power. I'm giving you the words, everything you need to do what I've told you to do. I am giving you. I am with you. But Moses protested again. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? So what's his excuse? His excuse is, what if they ask me questions that I don't know the answer to? How many of you that use that same excuse? Well, I don't know that I'll really bring this up with my friends because what if they ask me questions that I don't know the answer to? I'm going to look silly. They're not going to think I know what I'm talking about, this, that, and the other thing. Do you know how quickly excuses can pile up in our heads that keep us from doing what God has asked us to do, what God said he has empowered us to do, what God said he is with us to do? So Moses said, what am I going to do when they ask me these questions? So God tells him, if I, or excuse me, uh, in verse 14, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, 
The God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. So what did God do? God gave him the answers, okay? God gives us the answers as well. God has told us that he will give us the answers. He will help us, and he will give us wisdom to understand what we need to tell people, the conversation that we need to have with them, uh, the answers to their questions, okay? God also tells us in his word. He gives us these answers in his word. We need to be in his word, all right? Excuse number three in Exodus chapter four. So you got to fast forward just a little bit. Four, one, but Moses protested again. This is the third excuse that he gives to God. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? What if? What if? What if this? What if that? What's the problem with a what if excuse? With asking yourself, well, what if this happens? What if that happens? What's one of the problems with, with that? You have no idea what's going to happen. You can say to yourself, what if, what if, what if, forever. You can come up with an endless amount of what ifs. Well, I don't know. I can't really talk to my friend because what if this happens? What if they don't want to be my friend anymore? What if I embarrass myself? What if, what if, what if? You can, can, you can do that all day long come up with those what-if excuses that would hinder you from doing what God has called you to do. Then the Lord asked him, what is in your hand? So then, then God proceeds to give him these signs and says, okay, if they don't believe you, here's a sign, here's a sign, here's a sign. And God has given us wisdom from the Holy Spirit. Don't worry about what if, what if, what if. You step out and God will show up. If you step out, God will show up. And then we say in Exodus 4, 10. So God gives him these signs. He gives him the sign of the, uh, of the leprosy on his hand. He gives him the sign of, the, of uh, his, his wood staff turning into a serpent, turning into a snake, and turning back into wood staff again. God gives him these signs. But then Moses pleaded with the Lord. So we have all three of these excuses. God counters those excuses and says, don't worry about it. I'm with you. Don't worry about it. I'll give you the answers. Don't worry about it. I'll, I'll give you power. I'll give you a sign. And then in verse 10, chapter 4, Moses pleaded with the Lord, O Lord, I am not very good with words. I had never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. So Moses continues again and says, I'm not your man. I am not good enough. I am not very eloquent with words. I get tongue-tied. I'm going to make a fool of myself. I just, I'm not your guy. I'm not the guy. I'm not the guy for this. This is a huge job, but I'm not the guy. Even after God assures him, even after God answers each one of his previous excuses, each one of his previous attempts to get out of this, God answers it for him and tells him how he will be there with him, how he will be behind him in all of this. God answers these excuses. God helps him to be confident in him to be confident in God. But Moses is still self-conscious. He is still worried. Am I not? I'm not good enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not well-spoken enough. How many of you have done that? I can't do this because I'm not. There's something that you think is defective about you, whether it's your ability to speak in public. That's what I thought about myself forever. I mean, for the longest time. And it took me years of being right up here in this pulpit to finally get comfortable enough to be able to do that. 
and to be able to speak. You know what I'm saying? Like just just flat out, and I'm going to be honest with you, flat out just putting myself out there, even though I knew I was going to most likely embarrass myself, and I did on a number of occasions. And I'm, well, I'm, I'm just saying, like shaky voice and everything. Like I just felt embarrassed myself. You know what I mean? But I put myself out there, just had to, you know what? This opportunity is coming up to be in the Christmas program or whatever the case is, uh, to, to give an announcement at church or, or what have you. To, and, and as a matter of fact, before Pastor Scott, before I ever came on staff, there was an opportunity that I had to do. Uh, I think I, I took one service a month for a few months for Pastor Scott, and we did a, I did a series or something. Um, good night. Anybody was even in here when I did that. But so I was stepping out. I was nervous as all get out. I said, man, I'm just not sure I can do this, but I really felt like it was something I needed to do. I felt like it was something God wanted me to do, and so I stepped out. It was nerve-wracking. It was crazy, but God gives strength. Does that make sense? God gives strength. Even when you don't think you're good enough, even when you don't think that you're talented enough, even when you don't think that you're worth much, God has your back. So we see Moses in, chapter, in verse 10 here, again, giving another excuse why he's not the guy for this task, for this job. And then listen to what God says. Listen here. The Lord asks Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or don't speak, hear or don't hear, see or don't see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. God is basically saying, you are simply a vessel. I will take care of everything. I will give you the words. I will give you the power. I will help you do what I have called you to do. So God says, I will put those words in your mouth. I will tell you what to say. I will tell you what to do. You don't have to worry about any of it. I've got your back. So Moses tried time and again to make excuses as to why he could not do what God was calling him to do. Why he could not perform this task. And yes, it was daunting. Moses had a huge, huge, huge task ahead of him. And as far as he could see in the natural, an impossible task. How am I going to get a king of Egypt to let all of these people go? This is free labor. This is slave labor. They had them under their boot. Why would he let them go? Why would he even listen to me? I mean, this was, as far as Moses could see, next to impossible, okay? But eventually, God got it through his head, basically told him, okay, your brother Aaron can go with you. If that makes you comfortable, if that helps you, your brother Aaron can go with you. But was that God's desire? No, God's desire was for Moses to go completely in the strength that God is giving him, okay? But sometimes God meets us where we're at. Even with all of our excuses, God says, I love you so much. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on you, okay? I'm going to meet you where you're at. I'm going to work on you. I'm going to bring you to the level where I want you to be, all right? And as we get later on in Moses' uh, ministry and in his uh, um, work as a prophet of God, his work as, as a judge of Israel, okay, later on, later on, you hear less and less of Aaron speaking for him. You know what I'm saying? So there's less and less. So God, he, he grows into this position that God desired him to step right into from the beginning. And sometimes we need, we need a little time to grow, okay? But that does not negate the fact that God has called us to a task. God has called us to share our faith. God has called us to be different from the world. God has called us to stand up and step out for him. 
And in our culture today, maybe in your group of friends, in your school, in your at work, wherever you're at, that may seem like an, a, an insurmountable task. How am I supposed to stand out? How am I supposed to be different? How am I supposed to do what God has called me to do and still keep my friends and still have them like me? You know what? Sometimes you're not. Sometimes you're not gonna, your friends are not gonna hang with you if you're different. Sometimes that's just, you know what, that's just not in the cards. But we haven't been called to be like the world to gain the world's approval. We haven't been called to share our faith out there, to be different. We've been called to be like Christ. We've been called to do that. And it sounds so, it sounds impossible sometimes. But God is with us. I want you to see everything that he answered to Moses, he answers to us when we try to make excuses. When we try to make excuses for why we can't share our faith or why we can't um, be different and stand out for God, for Jesus, and our group of friends, when we try to make excuses, God says, I'm not having any of those excuses because here's what I've given you. I've given you the Holy Spirit. I've given you my word. I've given you myself. And I'll tell you who you are. You belong to me. And I will empower you to do what I've called you to do, what I've asked you to do. We can keep coming up with excuses, but we're not. But I'm not putting up with it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not settling. You know what I mean? God's not going to say, oh, okay, whatever. You know, you do whatever you want to do. No, he has called you for a task, and he expects you to do it. He expects you to do it. Logan, my son Logan, struggles a little bit with reading. He just doesn't really. He's not at the point yet where he enjoys reading. He doesn't read to hear a story and to understand what happens in a story or whatever. He's just kind of at that weird phase where he's not really reading books that are interesting enough to, to kind of capture your imagination, but at the same time, easy enough for him to read through and grasp. You know what I mean? So he's just at this kind of weird stage, and by God's grace, man, he's going he's gonna to have an awesome year, and he's going to love reading by the end of the school year. Amen? Amen. But anyway, but at, right now, it's a little bit of a struggle. As we're reading with him, oh my gosh, the excuses just come flying. I know he knows he needs to read. We have his little bitty book. Logan, you got to read every, a book every single day. We're going to get through this together, buddy. I'm with you. I'm right here. I will help you. But, Daddy, this is so hard. No, it's not hard, buddy. You're making it harder than it really, than it really has to be. But, Daddy, I'm so tired. No, I think you're, using, you're making an excuse. So let's, let's just buckle down and let's get this done. You know what I'm saying? Like, if something he just doesn't want to do, man, excuse after excuse after excuse, we finally got the book done tonight. And magically, he was no longer tired. Isn't that amazing? He was in a much better mood when he finally got that book done because it was behind him. It was done, right? When there is a seemingly insurmountable task ahead of us, man, is it easy for us to make excuses. But sometimes we just got to buckle down and we just got to we just got to put our feet down and do it. Does that make sense? We just got to step up and do it. And then when that's behind you, when you've had that conversation with your friend, when you've decided to not go along with the crowd and do things that you know you're not supposed to be doing or you know you're not supposed to be saying, when you do that, when you take that stand and it's behind you, you kind of like, man, I don't even know why I was making excuses. I don't, you know, you're ready to go on to the next thing. Does that make sense? But God is with us, and every excuse Moses tried to use, God has an answer for that, and he has an answer for us as well. God has called us to be greater than we have ever thought. God has called us to be more bold than we ever thought we could be. God has called us to be more outspoken about our faith than we ever thought we could be. And we need him in our lives to do that. And he's told us that he would be here. 
he would be with us, okay? Some of the excuses, that some of the, I guess, the top excuses, and more specifically referring to sharing our faith, because that seems to be the real big, you know, at least it, it, that's one of my bigger things. It's just, it's, um, it can be intimidating to share your faith, to bring up um, the things of God with, with somebody, with a friend or with anybody, really. It can be very intimidating. So I've talked to, when I talk to students about sharing their faith and getting out there and being different and doing what God's called you to do, uh, some of the top excuses that I get are, oh, I'm just not comfortable around people. I'm just not good with people or social anxiety or whatever. That's probably an excuse I get more than anything, the social anxiety excuse. And I am not, I am not, I am not downplaying that the fact that there is such a thing as social anxiety and, you know, kind of really kind of having a, a, a nervous thing going on when you're around people. I get it. I totally get it. I understand. I've talked to people that I understand have a legit issue with that. However, that doesn't negate what God has told us. God has empowered you to do what he's called you to do. So this social anxiety thing that you kind of use as maybe an excuse to not put yourself out there and do these things, you need to cut it. You need to drop that excuse. You need to knock it off and take a step. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough to, 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 to step out. I'm not talented enough. I don't speak well enough. You know what I'm saying? That kind of thing. We can, we can put ourselves down and we can knock ourselves down in our minds to where we just say, you know what? That's not for me. I'm just not, I'm just not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. Who's going who's gonna to pay attention to me if I start bringing this stuff up and talking about this stuff? That's just not for me. I'll let other people do that. Excuses. And God says, no, there's no excuses. Here's what I've asked you to do. Uh, I'm not smart enough. I'm not really good enough in God's word to know the answers to some of these questions that I know they're going to ask me. So I'm just going to let somebody else that, that's smarter to do that. So uh, I'll just have them talk to my youth pastor. I'll just have them talk to my pastor. I'll just have them look up answers online. You know what I mean? Like God has, God has given you his word. God has given you his Holy Spirit. That's no excuse. That's no excuse. We need to be ready to give a defense. We need to be ready to share our faith at any moment. Another excuse could be, I'm nobody. Who am I? Who am I to do this, God? Who am I to share about you? Like, who am I, who, who am I in this world that this person's going to listen to me? Like, I'm nobody special. Who am I? What does God say? God says, you are mine. That's who you are. You are my child. That's who you are. You are my son. You are my daughter. I have placed myself inside of you. I have placed my power inside of you through the Holy Spirit. I have bought you with a price. That's who you are. That is who you are. We can make excuses all day long. We can make excuses all day long, but none of those excuses will hold water. None of those excuses will hold up when it's time for us to answer for what we've done in our lives. None of them will. So God is calling us to something greater, to something higher, to something better. And Philippians 4.13, Philippians 4.13, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I can do everything. Say everything. Riley, say everything. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. God has called us to do some amazing things. Some things that he hasn't even opened your eyes to yet. Because we're still baby stepping. We're still scratching the surface about, man, what our purpose is. But right now, you've got a sphere of friends. Right now, you have people you work with. Right now, you've got family that needs Jesus. Right now, 
You are called to be different, to stand out, for people to notice and recognize that you are not like everybody else. That is what you're called to. So no excuses. Don't try to weasel your way out of it. God has got some important work for you to do. He's got tasks for us to do. He has good works that he has placed before us, and excuses aren't going to cut it. I'm tired is not going to cut it. I'm not smart enough is not going to cut it. God wants you to do what he has called you to do. God wants you to, to, to be on fire for him. God wants you to be passionate about him, passionate enough to where you step out, even in areas where you don't feel real comfortable because you know that's what he's called you to do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. God is the one who stands behind you. We may not see a burning bush like Moses did, come up to a bush, a burning bush, this is amazing thing, like we're right before our eyes, and then we hear the voice of God speaking to us, giving us instructions. We may not have that, but you know what? I don't know that it would matter. I think there are some of us in this room that could walk up to a literal burning bush and hear the voice of God and still make excuses just like Moses did. I would love to say that, man, if I saw that, I would be ready to rock and roll with whatever God told me to do. But I think we would still make excuses. That's just in our nature, to make excuses, to shy away from and back away from what God has asked us to do. Because we look at ourselves and say, who am I? How can I do that? God's not going to come before you with a burning bush and a loud, booming, audible voice. What he does is he gives you his word. He gives you the witness of his Holy Spirit. When you are born again, you have the inward witness of the Holy Spirit in your heart. He has given that to you, and there are no excuses. There are no excuses that are going to hold up for you not doing what he has called you to do. Worship team, you guys can head on up. I want everybody to stand up with me. As we worship together tonight, any excuse that you have made to try to get out of doing what God has called you to do, and you know what that is. At the very least, at the very least, that is telling people about Jesus, sharing your faith. At the very least, that is reading his word every day and filling up your spirit with the power of God through his word. At the very, and I'm talking, that is the bare minimum, okay? At the very least, God has asked you to do that. And there is no excuse. There is no excuse that's going to count for anything. No excuses. So tonight as we worship together, any excuse that you have made in your head to not do what God has asked you to do, even the simplest thing, I want you to put that out of your head right now. And I want you to decide tonight that you will no longer make excuses, but you will take action. I want you to say this with me. Say, there is no excuse for inaction. There is no excuse to back away. There is no excuse. I will take action for God. Tonight, I want you to decide to take action, to step into areas you've never stepped in before, 
to take chances that you've never taken before in talking to your friends, talking to people about the love of Jesus Christ. I want you to do things that you never thought you would be able to do and step outside of your comfort zone because there is no longer any excuse. We've already seen God's answer to Moses and what he told Moses that he would do and how he was with him. There is no excuse for us. It's time for us to take action and to step further and deeper in our relationship with God and in our action for him, for the kingdom of God, than we ever have before. Let's worship together.